Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 1 this morning. I'm going to be speaking on revealed by the angel. We have been speaking about the angel of the Lord and, and uh, his great work that he's done in this last day. We're going to just look into the scripture today as we see things that are applicable to our age and time. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this a great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and, Moses, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The, the God of your fathers has sent, sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus saith 
Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. Certainly we ask his blessings upon the word today. Uh, Before that we go into the scripture today, I thought I would share with you, um, some of you may have already heard this, but on Sunday, February the 14th, uh, Brother Ron Spencer had a dream where him and his family were invited to a meeting. It was a small building, but it was a massive crowd. And his family and his wife, Sister Connie, the boys were sitting beside him in a row um, very near the stage. And Brother Ron was sitting on the edge of the aisle, and yet little did they know that Brother Branham was to be the speaker. Brother Branham was dressed uh, in a very beautiful whitish suit. He was young. And the, the color of his suit was really hard to describe, but it was the shade between ivory and um, white. And, and the garment was unlike anything that he had ever seen. It looked incredibly comfortable. And you know, as he came to the stage, Brother Branham didn't actually preach, but he just told a few stories, it seemed. And it seemed like in the background, you could hear the humming from another realm and, and the humming from an unseen dimension was, was a song on the wings of a snow white dove. Right after he finished speaking, Brother Branham walked over to him with a green colored book in his hand and his title was The Way of a True Prophet. It was one of those original um, spoken word books and it was um, this sermon that his dad, Brother Charlie Spencer, had listened to when he first came to know Brother Branham was a prophet. And it was a sermon played in, in the Spencer home many times. And Brother Branham asked Brother Ron, would you like to have this book? And he held it out for him to take. And, and as he did, he looked into Brother Branham's eyes and said, Brother Branham, I have believed this message all of my life, and I've preached it all over the world. And I, I've, I've tried my best, Brother Branham. And, and he looked at him and said, Ronald, and he patted him on the cheek like that and he said, you're going to be well. And then he, they walked out of the building and Brother Branham asked him, would you like to have your picture taken with me? And he said, I sure would, Brother Branham. I'd love to have my picture taken with you. So he stood right beside him and the, and the boys and Connie were there and Brother Branham standing beside him, and he just reached over and patted Brother Ron on the shoulder, and he said, Homer, and that's his father-in-law who's already went on to be with the Lord, he said, he will be here in just a few more moments. Amen. I tell you, you know, I, I think that is very, very fitting, um, you know, that as, they, as he listened in that dream to the humming from another realm of an unseen dimension on the wings of a snow-white dove. I can remember the year was 1965. I was 11 years old. I sat on my edge of my seat in rapt attention there in Shreveport, Louisiana, as Brother Branham preached that sermon on the wings of a snow white dove. And 
when he, when he got to the end, my young heart almost burst as he, as he began to tell of a verse that he had written to that song. And I thought it was very, very fitting to go with the dream, though I have suffered in many a way. I've cried for healing both night and day. But faith wasn't forgotten by the Father above. He sent down his sign on the wings of a dove. And just this week, you know, um, Brother Ron, as uh, Brother Timothy said, had a battery of tests. Later, he would get a call from the cancer clinic. And the doctor said, you know, I've saved the miracle call today for the, the, my last call today. He said, no new cancer. The spots in the kidney that we thought was cancer, whatever that is, is all gone. And, um, and so, you know, we, we, they just told him to keep the course and, keep, and continue on. And, of course, in a couple of more months, they'll have another brain scan, and we're expecting them to all be gone. Amen. Amen. And we believe the Word of God. Now, we believe His promise. And we're thankful even for the visitations of the Lord when He comes and just drops a little something in us to help us along the, the journey. Amen. Now, as we have read the Scripture today, the, we read about a pillar of fire or a fire in a bush that not, did not burn. It was called there a flame of fire. And it appeared to Moses there, and, and, and Moses, after the discourse that he had with him, that he, he uh, asked the question, you know, when they shall say to me, what is his name, what shall I say unto them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. This is a wonderful name of God, and it's represented in the text as a, a, a tetragrammaton. The tetragrammaton is a, a Greek word for four letters. It is, and in the Hebrew writing, it is um, the best we can translate it into English because their um, letters uh, differ slightly from our alphabet. That um, it is, it is Y-H-W-H. And so it's a four consonants of the ancient Hebrew name for God. It's also translated again as, as uh, J-H-V-H because the Hebrews and English letters don't match exactly. But um, strangely enough, the exact pronunciation of Y-H-W-H W.H. is not now known. It, it um, occurs in various written and spoken forms. Now, some will pronounce it as Yahweh or Yehovah. Um, and about vocalizing these four letters, the Jews say, as an expression of infinite greatness and majesty of God, it was held to be unpronounceable and hence was replaced during the reading of the sacred scripture by the means of the use of the altered name Adonai, which means um, Lord. So, in other words, they wouldn't say this name. They got where they wouldn't say this name, and they would just put in for that name the name, the, the name Lord. Now, you see, it was on account of the original uh, understanding of the third commandment. They had changed that 
that began to say, that said, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. So, you see, and of course, that meant that we was to keep our vows when swearing by God's name. But, but Israel's ancient sages and their rabbis that began to uh, reinterpret this to mean even using the Lord's name lightly or frivolously. And to avoid the risk of employing the divine name irreverently, the sages ruled that one should not utter it at all. And eventually, the only time this name could be said was in the temple. And then eventually, only the priests were allowed to say that sacred name. And then when the temple was destroyed and the Jews were taken captive down to Babylon, the exact pronunciation of the letters were lost because it's all consonants. It has no vowels to it. And so, you know, they lost even how to say the sacred name of God. And again, you know, um, this was because the Jewish sages misinterpreted the, the third commandment. So the pronunciation of the name was lost, and soon nobody knew how to say this. But I want to just declare we know the name of the I am God. And his name is Jesus. And that name rebukes sickness. It healed diseases. It casts out devils. It saves sinners. And that name contains the essence of the I am that I am because he's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, why is it important to know the name of God is Jesus? You see, the name of Jesus is God's representative of judgment. That Christ is already judged for your sins and sickness and your temptations. So when you, when you pray in the name of Jesus and you speak that name, you are speaking of God's representation where your price of redemption was paid for. Your healing was paid for. Your sickness was paid for. Your sins were paid for. And that Christ all was judged for your temptation and for your sickness. But I want to declare to you that Jesus is the I am. This one that we're reading about that appeared in the burning bush of fire who said I, his name was I am that I am. To tell them I am has sent you. That, that Jesus is that great I am. If you look with me in John chapter 8 and verse 24, he said, I said unto you that you will die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, he, ye shall die in your sins. Now, that, that pronoun he, if you're looking at the King James Version, it was added by the KJV translators to make the reading more understandable. But the original text says, if you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, you, again, this is going to be very applicable to our last day. Because we must believe in the I am God. Not the I was, not the I will be, though he was and he will be. But he is, he is today the I am. And every day, wherever day you come to, he is the I am God. 
He's never known as the I was or the I will. He will always be the I am. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation 1, 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So three times in the book of Revelation, he is declaring himself as the I am. Amen. Amen. He is I am that liveth. He is uh, I am the first and the last. And, And he says, I am alive forevermore. And these are very key to what God has done in this day and hour in order to show himself alive with infallible proofs of his resurrection. I'd like to share with you a quotation from Israel in the church. Brother Branham says, I have come down to deliver them. I am declaring my name. Tell them that will be a memorial through all generations that I am the I am. Not that I was or that I will be. I am the same God that was there that night is here tonight. And now I'm going before you. I'm going to send my angel and he's going to be in a pillar of fire. And I'm going to send him before you now as a pillar of fire. And he will lead you a pillar of fire so big like a pillar. A pillar of fire shall go before you to lead you. I am will be in that pillar of fire. Now, in the paradox message, he said, when Jesus on the earth, he said, I come from God and I go to God. And we know that he was the I am, and the I am was that logos, that pillar of fire. And that when he went back to God and ascended upon high, Saul of Tarsus was on his road down to Damascus one day, and that same light fell in before him and blinded him. So now we know then that, that here the I am God showing himself in the pillar of fire, and, and he, will, he would declare himself, I am Jesus. There is no difference, if if I can say it that way, no difference between the I am God and Jesus. Jesus is the I am. Now, Brother Branham was asked in, in question answer 64, has the name of the Lord changed in different dispensations? And he says, yes. He was, he was once called, he was called the I Am. He's called Jehovah. He's changed many times. The last time it was changed was when God became flesh and took a human name. And Jehovah, the I Am, and all those titles are the titles to a name. And if you was baptized in the name of Jehovah, it would have to be in the name of Jesus Christ. If you were baptized in the name of Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Manassas or Jehovah Jireh or all of those, it would have to be in Jesus Christ. The I am is Jesus Christ. Remember, standing there that day, you say, he said, you say you ate man in the wilderness and our fathers ate man in the wilderness. He said they're dead. Said, and, and, and he would stand on that there. And let me just go on in that scripture. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And he said, we all know you're crazy because you're just a man and not over 50 years old. And you say you've seen Abraham. 
And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And he said, he was the I am. And all the titles that ever belonged to God was made one human name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of that. All the titles that ever belonged to God, whether you think of Elohim, Melchizedek, El Shaddai, or or Jehovah, and all the different um, attributes of Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Zara, Jehovah Manasseh, or Jehovah Nisi, whatever it is, all of those titles belong to God. Now, so again, and that not only belong to God, but they belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. Because God, all the names that ever belonged to God was made one human name, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the anointed ones at the end time, he would say, we see plainly after the seven seals have been opened, that's to reveal that mystery. Now, remember, those seals were revealed by the Lamb as the seventh angel uh, seven angel ministering spirits of God brought the revelation. And the way revelation is supposed to come, revelation is to come through a prophet. Amen. Amen. Now, then he says, but what is the Trinity? See, where was it ever called the Trinity? Where in the Bible does it even speak the word Trinity? Of course, we know it doesn't, right? right. Amen. There's not a place in the Bible it speaks of a Trinity. Or even, even refers to the, the word Trinity. But he said, where could there be three gods that we worship three gods and not be heathen? Amen. Because here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Amen. How can they be separate? And when he said, I and my Father are one, except you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins, your your unbelief. Sin is unbelief. You'll perish in your unbelief. Oh, who? Now, he goes into a song now uh, that he's going to bring right in here with what he believes. He says, oh, who do you say that I am? From whence did you say that I came? Oh, do you know my father? Or can you tell his name? I am the rose of Sharon, the bride and the morning star. Can you tell me who he is? I am that spoke to Moses in the burning bush of fire. I am the God of Abraham, the bright and morning star. I am the rose of Sharon. Oh, whence did you say that I came? Oh, do you know my father or can you tell his name? Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the whole creation and Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so, of course, we, we have spoke about being in a day that we are living in with this is as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the days of the coming or the revealing of the Son of Man. So, again, what were those? Those were lights from heaven as, as angels would come down and take on flesh. God himself would wrap himself as the pillar of fire would hover over 17 elements or whatever they are that makes up a human body. Don't make to me, no, no difference to me how many they are. I'm not a scientist. We're just, we're just uh, actually referring to some things that Brother Branham said about that. But they were lights from heaven. They come down and here he takes an, on a body. He wraps himself in flesh and comes down in an investigating judgment. Now, remember, we've been through it. He is looking for faith. 
Because when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith? He's got to have somebody that will believe. And he'll do whatever it takes to turn your heart from unbelief to faith. Because this is a God who is determined to fulfill his word. I mean, he's with me now. And the other things, he's looking for those. He will seal those who sigh and cry for the abominations that's done in the city that sin makes them sick, which is an evidence of the Holy Ghost in a person's life. Is that right? Now, let me just assure you, that same angel that was there, that stayed with Abraham, discerned the hearts of Sarah in the tent and began to tell him of the secrets of what was going to happen down in Sodom and the, of the end time events and the promise of the coming son and all these other things that are in type. Notice that that same angel there will be is the one who is representing himself today, Christ himself vindicating himself in a message in this last day. Amen. Again, to return our hearts back to the faith the original doctrine that was once delivered to the saints. Now, true, it will return us back to miracles, signs, wonders, healings, deliverance, gifts, everything that's in the Bible. But but in particular, it's going to turn us back to the original teaching that Paul preached, the original gospel. Are you with me now? Now, let me just assure you today that angel is not dead. Amen. Angels can't die. Amen. They're immortal beings. They're free from death. They cannot die. Amen. Now, so you you see, uh, and Brother Brandon would say these words. He says, now, do you believe angels can't die? They can't die. They're immortal beings. They're free from death. They cannot die. Then when that angel that stood with Paul is still in existence today. Think of this. The one that was in the burning bush is still in existence today. And we're even going to show you that the pillar of fire, amen, the one that was in that pillar of fire was there in Jesus when he walked the shores of Galilee. Amen. Now he would come on and take on the name Jesus which would combine every previous name of God before him, it would all be incorporated or encapsulated in that one name because there would be no salvation in any other name. There's only name there's deliverance. There's only name there's healing. There's only name there's salvation. is in that name Jesus. The angel said, call his name Jesus. He was named, actually, by the angel. Heaven named him. And that name means Jehovah the Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, so again, as as Brother Branham would talk about this, and we know the angel of the Lord that accompanied his ministry, and that, that there was a pillar of fire that would come service after service after service, which was the angel of the Lord in the, in the form of a pillar of fire. Amen. Then he, he said that's this, the God that met Paul on the road down to Damascus and shone around him like a big light. That same Lord Jesus is alive and risen tonight. 
there was a light that is that shone around. Is that right? A light, perhaps maybe the same light that the children of Israel followed through the wilderness, a fire, a light, a pillar of fire that led them in the darkness. I believe he's here tonight. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you can say, you can believe that, Brother Branham. Now, watch this. And he says, that would be a theology. Now, theology is also known as a theory. So, you can say, well, I believe that. Well, that's only a theory. That's only a theology. That's a, that's a creed. Creed means I believe. This is what I believe. But he said if God confirms that to be the truth, then it's no longer a theology. It's the truth. It becomes a reality. Now, I want to get to, to you. I mean, anybody can say I saw a light. I saw a pillar of fire. I saw this, it moved here, it did that, it stood over this and it did that, it was here, it's leading me, hey, you know, hey, it said this and that, but when it discerned the thoughts and intentions of the heart, when it tells the name and the address and where they come from, when it never failed, then you know it's gotta be the original Logos because the Logos, the word, discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, this angel is the angel of the covenant. It's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're talking about, listen, we are a book of Acts church. Amen. We, we're, where the Logos is speaking and manifests himself to a people in this generation. You are a people who have heard directly from the Logos. Not a, not a theology. Amen. Not, not something hatched out in the seminary. Not a message of, of just a, a messenger. But I want to get it. It was a message from the God himself through the angel of the covenant. This is no mere man's ideas. It's no mere man's doctrines or thinking. It is the voice of Almighty God to the last age, and you've got to have an ear to hear it. You must hear what the Spirit is saying to the church because this is a day specifically where the Spirit speaks and vindicates who is speaking. And he wants you to know it's not the I was or the I will be, but it's the I am still speaking. Now, you can tell if it's the same angel, Lord, because you watch its nature. It bears the same fruit. It's here in the church bearing the same fruit, making another Pentecostal church. This is what Brother Branham said. Now, what's the angel, Lord? Watch what kind of nature it has. It bears the same fruit that it did when it was here on the earth. Now it's back in the church. It is bearing forth the same fruit, making another Pentecostal church just exactly the way it did the first time. Now I'm going to tell you, if whatever you're following doesn't make another book of Acts, original Pentecostal church, exactly like the, the original church of Pentecost, it is not the angel of the Lord. Because you can identify if it's the angel of the Lord by the fruit. 
that it produces. Now, again, again, let us just declare to you who is the messenger of this hour. Now, we know we have earthly messengers. We know and we, know, and we certainly believe that, you know, the seventh angel was William Branham. We believe that he, and according to the Bible, that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. We believe that we're here in the seventh church age and that he would address, that God, Jesus, would address letters to men who are messengers. So he would say to the angels, angelos, which is the same word with John the Baptist. As, uh, when he spoke of John the Baptist as a messenger, I'll send before my face as angelos. He was a messenger or an angel from God. Are you with me? Amen. But he was earthly angel. But I want you to understand, though the earthly angel is no longer here, the angel Lord is still here, and he's still in charge. He has not left his church. We would see Jesus. He would he said it this way. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There the church nominal has their messengers. And the messenger of the Holy Spirit is with the church elected doing the same thing, which makes him Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who is the messenger of this hour? No man. The Holy Ghost is the messenger of this hour. What is it? God dwelling in human flesh. Glory, I feel religious. God in human flesh dwelling among you. Jesus said, lo, a little while in the world seeth me more. No more. That's the unbeliever. But you shall see me, the church for I personal pronoun again. I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the age, the end of the world. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is not dead. He's living forevermore. He's living at the end time when the sun is setting. I want to just bring it back to you. We have not just heard from a mere man. We have heard from the messenger of the covenant, the Holy Ghost himself. Amen. And that is the messenger of the hour. So the angel is still here. As Brother Branham would say, that same angel that led Israel is here now performing and doing the same thing it did when it was in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ, the body, has ascended the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit has come back. The life that was in Christ is in the church. John 14, uh, John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The vine doesn't bear fruit, it's the branch. And you know, you people here, you're great razors and so forth. If that first branch that came out of the vine, produced a book of Acts behind it. That first church, if that vine ever puts forth another, another branch, it'll write another book of Acts behind it. For the very life that's in the vine brings forth into the branch. Now, now I want to come down to some things today as we, as we speak. Because along with the miracles of Jesus, were the teachings of Jesus. And in Abraham's day, 
There was the miracle, the, the change. There was the miracle of the discernment. There was the miracle of saving Lot out of Sodom. There were miracles that were taking place. Are you with me? Amen. The calling of Sarah's name that had been given to her by the angel. But, but I want you to notice it was not all miracles. It was the revealing to Abraham the hidden things. Notice now, and in that day he didn't, didn't and, and when we come to this day, he didn't just discern the heart and, and heal the sick and open the eyes of the blind and cripples walk. Come on. Amen. But he, but he, and these things never failed and never missed. But he is also here revealing himself. To Abraham's group, the mysteries. So you see, Jesus had miracles that proved he was from God. Come on. But also, what did he have? He had a message. The teachings of Jesus. Moses had miracles with signs, but he didn't just have miracles. He had the teachings of Moses. We come right down to Abraham. Abraham received, he received miracles. But then there was the teachings given to Abraham from the angel. I want you to get this. This is revealed by the angel. It wasn't things that Moses knew. It wasn't things Abraham knew. And I'll tell you in a minute, it wasn't even things Jesus knew. It was the things that the Logos knew. Now, the Logos, the word, the Bible said in Hebrews 4.12, for the word, the Logos of God is alive. If it was alive then, it's alive now. And it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, you see, that's why Brother Branham would say, and, and, and admonish us, you know, because these things didn't just come from William Branham. And he would say to us, don't you see, friends, don't let loose of that word. You see, it's a spirit that gets on you. And I tell these women when they make themselves look sexy in these dresses that God's going to make you answer for committing adultery. If you believe me to be what I what. What you say, God's servant, a prophet, listen to what I'm telling you. You might not be able to understand it. And if you can't, then just do what I tell you to do. God will hold me responsible for what I say. You listen real close. And remember, those things are spirit. So a lot of things that he would address, he wasn't just addressing uh, the situation. He was looking at the spirit behind it. You can say, well, I, I don't understand why that was said. Well, sometimes you don't understand because you're not seeing the motivating force that is causing that to happen. Amen? Now, so he had said to Abraham, he said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? So, you know, here he discerns his heart 
And now he begins to reveal the mysteries. He tells about the end time judgment, the burning of Sodom, the salvation of those that are down in Sodom, all of these mysteries, the mystery of the coming son, the mystery of the body change, the mystery, if we can bring it down, it's the mystery of the rapture. Amen. He tells all of these things. Notice it doesn't go down to Sodom. It doesn't go to Lot's group. It goes to Abraham and his group only. But there's somebody going to believe it. Thank you, Lord. Now, so he would say, I'm not going to keep from Abraham the secrets that I know because he's going to be the heir of the world. And he says, we got a right this morning to know the secrets of the coming of the Lord for blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Then if the, if, if the church of the living God has inherited the earth, there is no secret to be kept from it. So this is why that here we come down to the last age that God is bringing a time of restoration and it's going to be a restoration by the angel of the covenant himself. Now, I want you to look back and think for a moment at Israel's deliverance from down in Egypt. God spoke to Moses in a burning bush of fire. It was a pillar of fire. It was the angel of the Lord, but... Who was that angel Lord? Now, whoever he was, that's who he is today. Because that was only a prophecy speaking of the end time. It's not just a story. Not just a Jewish history. It's a prophecy. Amen? Now, as Brother Branham would declare about it, and you remember him saying this in 20th Century Prophet, he said, in my opinion, it's the same angel of God that followed the children of Israel from Egypt to Palestine. You know as a scholar yourself, that was the angel of covenant, none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that same mighty covenant angel has presented to you an open book. It is the title to our inheritance. If you're looking in Revelation, you know, the book of Revelation, there's a book sealed with seven seals. Is that right? But for you, it's not a sealed book. It's an open book. Amen. Because the mighty angel has presented to you an open book by removing the seals. Now, he's the same one that founded the nation of the seed of Abraham. It was the angel Lord who would also call the church out in the first exodus and would appear in the burning bush of fire. Listen, Brother Branham, in the book of Exodus, he says, the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the day and night. In the daytime, it looked like a cloud. At nighttime, it looked like a pillar of fire leading to Israel. And that was the angel of the covenant, none other than Jesus Christ himself, before he was made flesh and come in the womb of Mary. It was Christ. Moses followed Christ. Christ said, the scripture said he was in the wilderness with Moses. And that's who he was, the angel of the covenant. 
Now, again, in redemption by power, he says it this way. God gave them a pillar of fire to go before them. I think they had the picture here tonight. I say it with reverence. To my honest opinion, while we're here in this group tonight, I believe that is with us. That, said, that same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel is going before us, performing the same signs and wonders. And any teacher or scholar of the Bible knows that that angel followed Israel and guided them to the promised land. It was the angel of the covenant, which was Jesus Christ. And today, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is following before this group that you want to call holy rollers, if you want to, all right, going on, leading them from victory unto victory. Now, I want you to understand, he's going to take this church where? All the way into a rapture. He's not going to abandon the project. He's not going to turn his back on us. He's not going to leave us and abandon us. He's going to be with us even in us to the end of the world. This is his promise. I will never leave you. So the same pillar of fire is right here in the church as we gather today. The same Logos, the same Word of God, the same one who created the world. No wonder then he can create new eyes. No wonder he can create new hair. No wonder he can heal cancer. No wonder he can do this because he's the creator himself. Now let's give you some scripture. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 10, 4. That rock in the wilderness. Let's see who he was. And they all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So here he goes to show you that the one they followed was Christ. Now, go, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, 26. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures of, in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward. So it was the reproach of Christ that he esteemed greater than the treasures of Egypt. In 1 Peter 1.11, searching water, what manner of time, the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. So it was the spirit of Christ leading them in the wilderness when it testified before time of beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So again, this would be David under the psalm, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? My bones, they stare at me. Only it was the spirit of Christ in David. Is that right? Now, that is showing us that he's the same Jesus. Now, not the Jesus of the seminaries. Not a denominational Jesus, but the Jesus, you, you see, that Jesus of denomination and seminaries is a Jesus that is handcrafted, molded and formed by whatever image they want to make him. Amen. Some want to make him the second person of a trinity. Some want to take him, make him mind his mama. 
You better pray to her first. Come on. Because he got to mind his mama and can't turn his mama's heart down. Whatever mama says, that's the Catholic church. Right? Amen. Denominations want to handcraft him and change him and mold him into whatever they want. They wanted Jesus that, you know, is all accepting of all kinds of sin. Now, listen, he's accepting of all kinds of sinners, but not all kinds of sin. Are you with me? Amen. He will accept anyone who wants to come and repent. You're a homosexual, a lesbian. If you're a murderer, rapist, or whatever, you can come to him and find mercy. But he won't leave you in your sins. He will save you from your sins. Amen. Now, you see, again, he is not the Jesus of the seminaries. He is not the Jesus of denominations. This, that Jesus is found in, in, in Thessalonians where he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And when the mask is taken off of him, he's not really Jesus at all. It's the devil. It's the man of sin. Now, you see, this was the same covenant angel that led Joshua into the promised land. And it's the same covenant angel that's leading us into the full promise of the word just like Joshua was prophesying by what he was doing. You see, they didn't realize it, but their lives were prophesying. They were foretelling that there was going to be things that would happen in the end time where a people would be brought in to a land of promise. And even as Israel was restored, amen, as a nation back to their back to their homeland, even so God's doing the same thing with a spiritual people, a spiritual Israel in this day, restoring them back to their homeland. And that homeland is the Bible. Amen. We, we, we can't find a home in Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, but we can find a homeland right here in this Bible, right here in this Word of God. Now, so you see, it's that covenant angel leading us into the full promise of the word as he led Joshua into the promised land. And you remember, you remember that day as, they were, as he was looking at the walls. Now remember, there were seals, there were sealed walls that had to be opened in order to come into the promised land. Jericho had to be the first conquest. If we don't get the sealed walls down, come on, amen, then we can't have the rest of the land. But when you get Jericho open, then all the rest of the land is open. Amen. So we start right here. Seven seals has got to be revealed. Amen. And until the book is open and the seals are taken off, then we can't inherit all the land. But if we get the seals open, then the rest of the land is ours. Every promise that lays in the book is ours. Healing is ours. Deliverance is ours. Salvation is ours. The rapture is ours. Everything that lays in the promised land. But first, the seals have to be broken. Hallelujah. 
Remember, they went around there seven times in silence. Amen. Nobody knew the mystery. Nobody understood. But when they come to the seventh time, there was a memorial again of the seven times that they went. As we, and we went back and we said, do we come through one church age, second church age, three or third church age, fourth church age, fifth church age, sixth church age, seventh church age? Amen. Because the last day you marked around is seven times. Amen, and, and it all becomes revealed, and we hear it. We are reminded of our journey. Yeah. Amen, but once that we complete that, it's time now for the shout, yeah. for the silence to be broken. Yeah. Do you understand? We're in the day where God himself breaks the silence, yeah. where that has been held back, mysteries that have been held back till the end time, and God breaks the silence. With a shout. Amen. When he shouts, the walls come down. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? So this Joshua, seeing this man as he goes to conquer, he needs a battle plan. He needs to know, how do I get in this? And so Joshua, seeing this man, it was the captain, in other words, the leader of the host of Israel. Right. You know, in Joshua 5, 13, the Bible said, Joshua looked and there stood a man with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are thou for us or for our adversaries? And he says, nay. Basically, he says, I'm not on your side. You're on my side. Because as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. Joshua, you got this all wrong. You think, I, you know, I'm going to help you with it? No, this is not your battle. This is my battle. Amen. And I am here to lead you in this battle. I am going before you. I'm not, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not somewhere far away. I'm not hanging back in the background. I am here, right here, going before you. Amen. Amen. As captain of the army of the Lord, am I come? I am taking charge. And I'm leading the way. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to a people today that are lit by a pillar of fire. Amen. He goes before you. Amen. You can look at any enemy. You can look at any situation. And you know your God is already went before you. He comforted at Calvary. He'll comfort for you today. Amen. That leader, Brother Braden said, was none other than Christ himself. What was he seen in? A pillar of fire. And now that pillar of fire had become a man. Hope you know what I'm talking about. He become a man. Joshua, alone by himself, seen just what it was. That that pillar of fire that led them as an angel. Here he stood, and he called himself the captain of the host. He was the unseen one. And he's still the captain of the host of the Lord. The unseen one, the invisible one, the omnipotent one. And he stands tonight just as really was standing there against the walls of Jericho. The same Lord Jesus, 
that met Abraham many, many hundred years before there, had no father, no mother, no beginning of days or ending of years, Melchizedek, the eternal one. Now, let me remind you, this pillar of fire, this Jesus, this Holy Spirit of the Bible is not giving us a theory or a theology, but a word by divine vindication. Now, in, in the book of Revelation, it begins with, you know, blessed is he that readeth and they that hears the word of this prophecy. Keep those things that are written for the time is at hand. We're here. This is where the time is at hand. When, when, the, when the revelation of Jesus Christ has been revealed to the body of Christ. And Christ has been revealed as not dead, but alive. Amen. Living in his church, doing the same things he did, the same ministry, the same gospel, the same sign, the same resurrected Christ. Amen. When he's revealed by his angel in the church, then the time is at hand. So we are here in the hour where the time is at hand. Never been a time until that day, until this has the mystery of Jesus Christ been revealed until these last few years. That's why we know the time is at hand. Now, it has to compare with the rest of the scripture. But it does not have to compare with men's interpretation of the rest of the scripture. It has to be biblical, but it does not have to fit men's interpretation of the Bible. Now, let's talk about this. In the Old Testament, they had the breastplate of Aaron. They called it the Urim and Thummim. And when one would prophesy and tell his dream, it would have to be told before this Urim and Thurman. If it was true, then God would answer by the pillar of fire. And it would shine through those 12 stones of Israel on the breastplate of Aaron, the, 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 the Urim and Thurman. And so then every, he would manifest himself through lights to prove whether Whatever the prophesier was saying was of God or not. It had to be vindicated by a pillar of fire. Now, we got a lot of people with a lot of claims. But I want to know, does the light shine on it? Is there a pillar of fire to vindicate it from Genesis to Revelation? Come on. Then, you know, people can say a lot of things. They can have a lot of opinions. And they can say this and this and this and that and, 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 and have their discourses and their theologies and what they believe. But does the pillar of fire vindicate it? So what we're looking for, for it to be the truth, is for the prophet's prophecy to flash by the light. Now you say, well, I'm a teacher and I believe something different and we, we, we've got our ideas and we, we've got, well, does, where is the light that vindicates 
You're from God. All right. Now, when a prophet prophesies or a preacher preaches or an evangelist preaches or the dream said or whatever it is, if it isn't according to the word, it's wrong. And he says, this is now God's your concern. Is that right? If he doesn't declare, if he doesn't, um, and if that angel who has declared himself and has proven, if he doesn't, and the human flesh declare himself to be the same nature, with the same spirit, working the same signs that he did when he was on the earth, then it's the wrong angel. So what were we looking for? One that could discern the thoughts and intents of heart? Whose prophecies never fail? Come on. Amen. And, and what is it? It would have to be, have the same nature to be the same angel. And it's not, it's the wrong angel. And if he declares himself to be the same, it's Christ and the church manifests himself in these last days. He says, that's as clear as I know the word. Now, I want to say to you, this was not an angel that came in a secret closet that nobody else saw. Because even those who didn't see it, there were witnesses. There were those who saw the pillar of fire. There were those who saw even the, the physical form of the angel of the Lord that had stepped out of that pillar of fire. And my, but, you know, uh, again, even those who didn't see it, like myself, you know, I didn't see it, but I saw the effects of his presence. I don't see the wind, but I know if the wind is blowing. I can feel the effects. I can see the effects. Amen. When, when he calls out a, a lady that I went to church with and as a young kid, you know how children do, six, seven years old, you know, I'd get tired and I'd lay down on her lap sometime and go to sleep in the church. Her name, her, and, and she, her name was Sister Boyd. And he would call her out by name and tell her, you got bursitis in your arm. Listen, let me tell you something, friends. I knew, I knew he didn't know that woman. She testified he didn't know her. She was my friend, a close friend of my family. And then to be called her by name and tell her her situation. I didn't see the angel. But I saw the effects. Now, I knew the angel was there. Now, this is no Mormon angel who delivers gold plates with coded unbiblical teachings. This is the angel Lord, and he's the same one who taught Paul by revelation. Now, the true revelation is always brought by an angel. I want that to sink in. True revelation has to be brought by an angel. Abraham received the revelation of one God. Did you know that? He was a, he was a, his father was an idol maker, an idol worshiper. But the angel taught him about the founding of a new and godly race to which the Messiah would come for through him all nations would be, of the world would be blessed. And, and he catches a revelation. God is one God. Amen. 
out of his heathen home and takes him down into, uh, in, into a new place, into a new land. He had to get where the Messiah was going to come. Now, the angel of the covenant would appear to Moses with a message of deliverance. But also, he instituted, or should I say reinstituted, the blood sacrifice. Said, you gave them a token of the blood. Come on. And then on Mount Sinai, the angel of the covenant in a pillar of fire came down on the mountain and delivered the word of God in the form of the law. Now, where do you think we got Genesis from? Hello, somebody. Where do you think you got the, 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 the first five books of the Bible? Where do you think you got it? You think that was just the mind of Moses? Now, Moses was a skilled man. Sure, he was trained up with the Egyptians. But Moses would write the first five books of the Bible. And where do you think it came down from? Where do you think he got that from? Amen. Where do you think the account of the creation came from? Amen. Genesis is called the first book of Moses. And he would write down what he saw by vision from that pillar of fire. I want to say to you, your Bible came from the pillar of fire. It did not come from a seminary. It did not come from a denomination. It came from the pillar of fire, the Logos, the Word. Now, Moses, by revelation, would bring us the view of the creation. Now, that's an angel's view that was brought to him by vision. He would say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That counters all the smart men of the world today that claim to be smart. Moses, by revelation, would bring, bring the angel's view of, of the creation. In fact, the matter is, the book of Acts declares in Acts 7, 53, we receive the law by the dispensation of, or disposition of angels or the administration of angels. In Galatians 3, 19, he says, it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. That is, the law was given by angels through Moses who stood between God and man. In, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. That's what I'm trying to do for you today. Give more earnest heed. Listen, this is not just a man's message. This is God's message. This is not just man's ideas. It's God's word. Are you with me? Amen. We ought to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. That means to leak out like a leaking vessel, you know, just lose it a little bit at a time. For if the words spoken by angels were steadfast and every transgression and disobedience 
received a just recompense of reward. You see, you see, that's what the law was, the word spoken by angels, the messenger of the covenant. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it, God also bearing them witness, but with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. And he said, how are you going to escape? If they didn't escape, if they perished because they didn't believe their prophet, what are you going to do? Amen. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast, what about it when we have received from the Lord himself? Amos 3 and 7, it tells us, Surely God, the Lord God, will do nothing. But he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So he's very clear how his secret's going to come. It will have to come from a prophet. Now, but some will protest, but Brother Tim, that's not the, that's not the way God reveals his word today. For God has now spoke through his son. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's go to Hebrews 1 and 1. Let's read this. God who had sundry times... And divers manners, spake in the times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So he, the Hebrew writer would say, you know, this is the way God spoke in times past. But he hath in these last days, because he's walked now three and a half years on the earth, spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he hath also made the worlds who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So, and, and I, I want to just say now then, but who was the son? If it were not the father, the creator of the fleshly body of Jesus, the Logos made flesh. Are you with me now? You see, he has he had spoke to us by his son because God had now come visible in Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand that God is still speaking through Christ. But no longer through the fleshly body of Christ. Jesus. He sits there on the, on the throne, but his spirit is still here in the church. Now, so who was the son if it were not the father, the creator of that fleshly body, the Logos made flesh? Now, of course, we know Jesus couldn't uh, be his own father. He could, not, he could not, the body could not create itself. The spirit created that body. Amen. Amen. But it don't ever say anywhere that the father couldn't be his own son. That's right. Because this is what God did. He made a body and came and dwelt in it. Right. And he wasn't a different person. He was the same person. But now dwelling in a human body. Now, again, in the Laodicean church age, now, to show that he's the first, he's also the beginning of the creation of God. Let's just for you, let's go to our revelation of the Godhead in Revelation 3.14. This is for our age. 
to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things saith the amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, that is the revelation that we are to stand upon in this last age. It's a revelation of deity to the Laodiceans, to the angel, messenger of Laodiceans, right? I want you to know this. These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, first of all, God was going to put an amen to everything he said. Amen. When, when, come on. When Brother Brandon would stand there after preaching, he said, now if I told the truth, right. let him vindicate it. Right. What was God doing? Giving an amen. Right. It is my word. Right. Is that right? Amen. These things say the amen. He's a faithful and true witness. It never misses. That's right. Somebody help me preach. The beginning of the creation of God. Now, let's look, at, let's look at this. He's standing in the midst of the church. He's revealing who he is in the last age. He calls himself the author of the creation of God. This is another creation. This has to do with the church. It's a special designation of himself. He is the creator of the church. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. As the spirit of God, he came down and created in the virgin Mary the womb the cells from which his body was born in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the cells from which his body had been, was born. I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to a human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a body. That would not have produced the last Adam. Of him it was said, Lo, a body hast thou, Father, prepared for me. God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was the human incubator. Amen. She carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was a God man. He was the son of God. He was of the new creation. Amen. Man and God met and joined. He was the first of this new race. He is the head of this new race. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body. The church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Yes. First Corinthians 15, 21, for, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all men be made alive. Amen. Is that right? So he's the first one from the dead. Amen, because of all, Adam died. Come on. But, but, and, and all who is in Adam died, but all that are in Christ shall be made alive. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the head of a new race. He is the new creation. What did God do? He took cursed earth that had been formed now around that life that he had placed in Mary. And there she ate and took up the elements of the earth and a body was built. And that body there was brought right down to the River Jordan. And there at the River Jordan, somebody with me now, here at the River Jordan, God and man met together again. 
We had been alienated from God since Adam. But now God and man became reconciled in Jesus Christ. Amen. And the only way you can be reconciled back to God is to be born of Jesus Christ of that same race. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There you can see that man was of the old order of creation, but now, united with Christ, he becomes a new creation of God. Ephesians 2.10, For we are of his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 4.24, That you put on the new man, which after God, God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, a Christian is, is not an old man made over again. Come on. He's not a reformed sinner. He is a new creation. He is a brand new species. He is a species that the devil has no control over. That we can see the Satan, that, that Satan has come and he has no part in me because I'm not a part of the old creation. I'm a part of the new creation. I am a new species in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's who Jesus was. The devil had no claim on him. And when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, he claims this soil you lived in. Hallelujah. He claims it for the resurrection to be changed also in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Now, so he is the author of this new creation. Notice, how could God be created if he's the spirit? So, you see, it's not Jesus is the creation of God in the sense that God created God, but God created a body. Therefore, the Father had a son. The eternal spirit had an offspring that he made in the womb of a woman. And then he comes and dwells in it. Amen. Not, not two gods. Not two lords. Not a, not a major God and a minor God. Not one that's God and the other isn't God. It's all God. Amen. But he was the beginning of that new creation. He, it was, uh, which is Jesus Christ, was made manifest. God lived in. He is God's creation. My, the, the first and the last, the amen, the beginning of the creation of God. When God created himself a body, he came down and lived in it. That's the beginning of the creation of God. And, and he said, oh, isn't that wonderful? Now we find that at the first, I'm Alpha and Omega. This is what he says in the first, the first of the book of Revelation. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Said the Lord, which was, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. That's Revelation 1.8. Now, so he shows his deity right here in the scripture. He says, I am the almighty. I am he that was, which is, and shall come, the almighty. And he says this three times in the very, right there in the first part of the book of Revelation to make sure we get it. That he's not a minor God. 
He's not a secondary God. He's not just a prophet. He is God. Now, to the church of Ephesus, then he comes down to the Laodiceans, and he said, I'm the amen. So I'm the first and the last. I'm the amen. I am the beginning of the creation of God. To the church ages, you have to learn that I am God. God created in a man form. I am the beginning of the creation of God. And he said, that would make a Presbyterian shout. Amen. Just think about it. Begin of the creation of God. Oh, I like that. The creation of God. When God was created, when God was made flesh in Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. Now, this is why when we come to the New Testament account of Genesis. Now, here again, the man moved by the Spirit. Here is John. He's the beloved disciple, John 1 and 1. And he goes back and he gives us the New Testament Genesis. And he says, in the beginning was the Logos. The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Logos was God. Oh, my. And the same was in the beginning with God. And by him, all things were made by him. So whoever this is, is the creator. Because he made all things. And without him was not anything made that was made. Is that right? And in him was life. Hello. Eternal life. But I want to go beyond that just a moment. The Aramaic says it this way. In him was lives. Plural. Because you were in him. In him, in the Logos in the word, in the thought of God that became flesh, come on. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and in him was lives. You can't help but come into manifestation. You cannot stay lost. Hallelujah, because in him was your life. You were in him. Before the world began, you were in him. You're more than a time being. You are an eternal being. Oh, if the revelation could just strike your heart. Amen. You have come from God. You became human, and you're leaving this human life to become God again. Immortal. Eternal with him. And verse 14 says, And the word, the logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the logos made flesh in Jesus Christ. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So even then, it was the logos revealing the word, the angel of the covenant, was in Jesus Christ. If you notice, the whole time that Jesus is here, pillar of fire is not mentioned. Is that right? Amen. But because the pillar of fire came and dwelt, we can go down to the river Jordan just for a moment. It came down like a dove. Now, it wasn't a dove. 
It came down like a dove. It was a fluttering, whirling fire. And it comes down like a dove, and it abides upon Jesus Christ and dwells in him. Amen. John was told that it would come and it would abide, abode on him. Jesus said, when you get it, it will abide with you forever. In other words, it won't come and go. You won't backslide and sin and do this and that and, and grieve it away. No, sir. Once the Holy Ghost comes, he abides with you forever. You are sealed to the day of your redemption. He never leaves you or forsakes you. Now, John 14, 10, Jesus will make it clear that what he is preaching is not his own thoughts human thoughts. Watch, it, watch here. He would tell you first who's living in him. John 14, 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me and the words that I speak to you I speak not of myself. This is not human ability. Now I'm trying to get your mind away from your own human abilities. Well I think uh -uh, we got to be thinking what God said. Well, the theologian, ah, we got to be saying what God said. God speaks. He's got a word. Now, watch this. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So who, where was the Father, the, the pillar of fire, the one who had made a body, had come and dwelt in the body, and it was not the body's own thought. It was not human reason. It wasn't something taught by Mary. It wasn't something he'd learned by rabbis. It wasn't something he had learned in school. This had come from the Father. What's now? He doeth the works. He dwelleth in me. Verse 7 of chapter 7, verse 16 of John. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. But his that sent me. Amen. 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 Now, who, who, who was it that sent him? The one that sent him came in him. Is that right? He dwelt in him. And he said, it didn't come from me. It come from this one dwelling in me. Amen. It come from my father, the one who created this body. John 8, 28. Then Jesus said unto them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you shall know that I am that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So in order to get this, notice now, the message of Jesus did not come from a seminary. It did not come from halls of learning. It came from God himself revealing the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you, you know, uh, again, you know, people will say, okay, Brother Tim, we got that. That, you know, that was God now speaking in, in his son. He spoke to us in these last days. So God only speaks now through his son, Brother Tim. After, after Jesus, there are no more prophets. Well, that's not what Paul said. He taught in Ephesians 4 when Jesus ascended up into heaven. 
He sent back gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, and he continued building up the church until upon the foundation that Jesus himself gave because Jesus Christ would be the chief cornerstone. Is that right? But Paul now was one who had a right. Paul had a right to pride himself as a learned man. But the New Testament that he wrote didn't come from that school. It came from a pillar of fire. It was that light that met him on the road to Damascus who identified himself as the one who dwelt in Jesus Christ. He would strike him down on the road to Damascus with a bright light, a pillar of fire. Come on. And there he would fall down in the dust of the, of the, of the, of the, on the road and he would say, Who art thou, Lord? Because he knew that light was the Lord, whoever he was. And he would say, I want to know your name. Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus. Why persecutest thou me? Because this is what he said. Why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you? I'm, I'm trying to defend you. I'm trying to stand for the law. I'm trying to stand for Jehovah. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. So it's, it's, it's going to be hard to kick against the pricks. Because the sharpened wood on a, on a cart that an animal would pull, you know, would, would be there and they'd go to kicking. It poked them as they kicked back against the cart. And he says, it's going to be hard kicking against the pricks. Why did you persecute me? When you persecuted my people, you persecuted me. Whatever you do to my church, you're doing to me. Amen. Now, as again, he, that light identified himself as the same one that wasn't Jesus. said, that's my name. I am that I am. He's asking the same question that Moses did. Who art thou, Lord? What is your name? I am Jesus. But he had pride. He had lots of learning. I want to just talk about this for a moment. This, this man, he says in Acts 22 and 3, I'm a, barely a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Silica, Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye are ye all are this day. So Paul says, I got all them awards. I walked down the aisle there, you know, with pomp and circumstance. You know, I was in, I was in the cum laude. I was in this, and I was in the high society, and I, I, I had the diplomas. I had the PhD behind my name and the LLD and the DD. I had it all. And man, I was cocky. I was so sure I was right. 
Boy, I was educated and all these others underneath me that can't, they're less than I am because I can judge a man's intelligence because of how many degrees he has. No, none of them are intelligent like I am. Them sorry things that, them scumbags, I'm going to kill them all. He was cocky, so sure he was right. He persecuted the church. Do you know, in the book of Acts, that church was called the way. That's what they call, the Christians call themselves, we're in the way. We're the way. You want to be saved, we're the way. You want to go to heaven, we're the way. This one who led us is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We're the way. This is the message. Somebody with me? Amen. And I persecuted them because they called themselves the way. And we were, we were the ones. We're the ones. We're the, we're, I, why? They don't know nothing. They ain't been taught nothing. They've never been to Bible school. What are they doing handling the word? Ignorant and unlearned Peter preaching stuff. I have no right to even preach. Don't that sound familiar? William Branham prayed. He called to pray for the sick. He wasn't to preach the gospel. He never was sent by us. He don't have the degrees. There's no PhD behind his name. There's nobody, there's no credentials of man. What, what, right, what right does he have to preach these things? He was not a preacher. He was not a teacher. He was to pray for the sick. He had to get to healing. He didn't know his calling. Because we're the ones. We've got the PhD and the LLD and the DD, and we're recognized by man in colleges, and we walk down with silver cords and gold cords around our neck and, you know, with our gowns on and our hats, and we threw them up, and we shouted, and everybody put a big label on us, and we're now doctor. Well, let me tell you what Paul did with his doctorate. What some of you need to do with your own knowledge. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in his flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day on the, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He thought pretty well of himself, didn't he? As touching the law, a Pharisee. We did it every bit right, down to the nitty-gritty. We wouldn't even say the name of God till we lost it. Nobody knows how to say it no more. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, then I counted a loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency, for this knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count it all for loss. I forget everything every man ever taught me. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's what Paul did with his knowledge. 
he said, they're just a bunch of dung. I count it as nothing. Just dirty mess of man. Are you with me? So I can win Christ. Now, Paul knew that God couldn't use the knowledge and the understanding that he had received from one of the most learned rabbis of the day, Gamaliel. His name was renowned. He was the rabbi, the rabbi, the teacher. And like Moses skilled in the learning of the the Egyptians, remember, some of them most skilled people of the day, builders of pyramids, speaks. They could embalm bodies. They could make them where they could last thousands of years. He said, I esteem the reproach of Christ greater than all that knowledge. Now, that's the problem with denominations. They can receive the dogmas and the teachings from a seminary, but they can't receive revelation. Yet, the church is to be built on revelation. Jesus said, on this rock, Peter, Flesh and blood didn't reveal to you. My father revealed it to you. So on this, this rock, on the revelation of who I am, right. I'll build my church. Amen. Now, we come right back to it again. Remember, again, that's got to be our foundation that we know in whom we have believed. That we know this is not a message with just the thinking of a mortal man. This is almighty God. Don't look at the messenger. Look at the message. And look at the vindication. Watch, anointed ones of the end time. What is faith? Faith is something that's revealed to you that is not yet, but you you believe it will be. Faith is a revelation of the will of God. So by revelation and churches today don't even believe in spiritual revelation. They believe in a dogmatic teaching of some system. By revelation, Abel taught or offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain, which God testified he was righteous. Amen. I hope you see that. See what, where we're living? See the hour? I was talking to a gentleman not long ago, a Christian scholar and a gentleman, and he said, Brother Mr. Branham, we refuse all revelation. Then he said, you have to refuse Jesus Christ because he was the revelation of God. God revealed in human flesh. And unless you see it, you're lost. And that's the problem that most critics have with Brother Branham is that he wasn't taught by man. Paul was. But he had to count it all but a loss. And then he would guarantee, he would guarantee us, this is not from man. It is from God. I didn't get my message from man. I got it from God. I certify. In fact, of the matter, he was so sure of it, he said to preach or teach anything different than what I preach, lay me a curse. He was so sure it was God. Galatians 1 and 6. 
I marvel that you're so removed from him who called you into grace unto another gospel. You see, to believe something different, you have to remove yourself from Christ. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And that perversion has went on and on and on and on and produced every denominational system there is today. Perversion of the original gospel. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I now, I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you have received, let him be accursed. For though I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That's right. So he said, you know, if I'm going to please man, I can't be Christ's servant. If I'm going to be Christ's servant, it ain't going to please man. But I certify. What's these words? I guarantee. I give you this guarantee that the gospel preached of me is not after man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now he had met Jesus Christ where? In a pillar of fire. And it was the pillar of fire who taught him the revelation. I'm trying to get to you to understand this is where true revelation and the divine interpretation of the word comes from is from the pillar of fire himself because no man has a right to interpret it. Only God himself, for he is his own interpreter. You've heard of my conversion, my life, or my conversation rather, my life in time past in the Jews' religion, how beyond measure I persecuted the church of God, I wasted it. I profited, I excelled in the Jews' religion above mine equal in mine own nation, being more zealous of the, of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, isn't this amazing? When it pleased God, you remember, you were, you were lost out in sin, but when it pleased God, he stopped you, amen, on your road down to Damascus, I mean, he knocked you off your high horse. He got you down in the dust until you began to cry, Who art thou, Lord? I got to know you, Jesus. And he says, Who separated me from my mother's womb, called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. So he said, My revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ that I might preach him among the heathen. Now, notice, I want to get something. Listen, friend, we are not preaching William Branham. We are not preaching William Branham's thoughts. We are preaching Christ who has been revealed in his own word. Not outside the word, but in the word. Now, he said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Oh, listen, immediately, I didn't go talk to man about it. Neither when I went up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia over to the desert. I returned again to Damascus. After three years, I went up to, to Jerusalem to see 
Peter and abode with him 15 days, and but other apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now these things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Amen. Notice this. I'm certifying you. I'm guaranteeing you. I didn't even get this from the disciples. I got this from the pillar of fire himself. And he's the one that helped me to write the new covenant. And if any man thinks he's a prophet or he's spiritual, let him acknowledge that what I said to be the truth. So we're going to have Paul's gospel restored again. It must be restored by Jesus himself, the pillar of fire, and it can't come through human understandings of the Bible. It cannot come that way. You see, it just that would just make another, another organization, another denomination. And we already got 40,000 different interpretations of the Bible upon which man have denominated. Dear God, we don't need another one. Amen. All of them have been taught by man and not one of them. Shall I say it? Not one of them teach Paul's gospel. Holiness? Well, they don't agree with Paul. Mm. They don't believe with all what old Paul said. Let me, that was not old Paul. That was the angel of God. Are you with me? Amen. Hair? They don't agree with Paul. No, no, no. Oh, that was not for us. You know that. I tell you, we've decided. Who are we? Who do you think you are? The angel. Reveal that. And you go against the angel. Listen, let me tell you. You go against the angel. If an angel from heaven, anyone preaches or adheres to any other gospel, that what I preach to you, he's cursed. You bring yourself under your own curse by denying Paul's gospel. Because I certify it didn't come from man. It came from a pillar of fire. Amen. The same one that wrote the Old Testament. Well, I'll tell you what. We don't believe the Old Testament. The same one who wrote the Old Testament is the same one who wrote the New Testament. He's the same God. It's the same word. It's the same promise. Amen. Water baptism, they don't agree with Paul. Godhead, they don't teach what he teach, preached. You see, they believe they can change it. They believe their idea above it is better than what old Paul had. When Paul met him down in Acts 19, he says, how was you baptized? Well, like John baptized, he said, you wasn't baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, go and get it done over again. Because there's only one that's salvation in one name. Come on. You say, well, it has nothing to do with salvation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. God is the own interpreter. Brother Branham said, I was speaking here not long ago in a meeting. A man said to me, Brother Branham, you have the wrong interpretation. You don't interpret that right. They go to the Methodists and they say, the Baptists don't interpret it right. The Baptists say the Pentecostals don't. The Pentecostals say the oneness don't. The oneness say the assemblies don't. And each one says the others don't. God is his own interpreter. 
He don't need anyone to interpret for him. He does his own interpreting. Who is the man that can interpret God? God is his own interpreter. Now, listen, this was the fault they found in Jesus. Same fault. He wasn't taught a man. Matthew 13, 54, when he come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue inasmuch as they were astonished. And they said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. That, that means that was a stumbling block to them. Now, the scriptural way for the word to be revealed was never through a seminary. You show me one place in the Bible that the word of the Lord came to a seminary. In Elisha's day, it was the school of the prophets that Elijah went up into heaven and, 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 and they said, oh, perhaps the Lord just took him up and cast him on a mountain down into a valley. It was the school of the prophets that threw wild gourds into a pot. And death was in the pot. It was the prophet Elisha who said, bring me some meal, which represented Christ. And he threw it in there and the pot was healed. And that's the only thing that healed the false doctrine is get Christ back in the mix. Amen. Amen. You see, it was the rabbis and the teachers of the law was the one who got the message distorted. They're the ones who through their stupidity and legalism lost how to even say the name of God. They couldn't even now say their own God's name. But now God would send a message down and say, thou shalt call his name Jesus, Jehovah's Savior, and there... And there will be no salvation. There will be no deliverance. There will be no healing except by that name. Right. Amen. But that's what the Bible said, Acts 4.12. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved. Amen. Father won't save you. Come on. Amen. Son won't save you. Holy Ghost won't save you. Melchizedek won't save you. Lily of the Valley, bright morning star. There is no salvation in any of those. There is only one name in which redemption is, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. And there's nowhere in any place in the Bible, anywhere where anybody was ever baptized except to be taken in that name. All through the book of Acts. It's a name that rebukes sickness, heal diseases, save the lost. Now, coming down, I'm going to be closing here in a few minutes, but I want to get it down to you at least that we can get some of this. He said, Brother Branham would talk about things. Now, you remember, the angel of the Lord came to him there in 1946. It was a pillar of fire, and out of that walked a man. He was six foot tall, had on a white garment down to his feet. His hair was down, down, uh, down about shoulder length. And he stood there, 
in, in to, with Brother Branham, he began to say, I am sent from the presence of Almighty God. He just stepped out of that pillar of fire to tell you about your misunderstood life and your strange ways and to commission you and tell you that you're to take a gift of healing to the sick people. And I will be with you. Don't worry about what you'll say. I will put the words in your mouth. Amen. You remember that? Now, it would be this angel, service after service. Somebody with me? This pillar of fire that would tell their names, their address. Your name is Eva York. You're from 613th, 6th Street. You're, you're, you're healed. It would tell them, you know, right down to the minute details of their lives. Because it was the Logos using the voice of a man. Can you help me preach now? And he said, and he said, one time I read in the Bible about hell. And I began to read that the word hell came from the word Hades, which meant the grave. And I was about three or four years, I wouldn't preach on the subject of hell because one place it looked like it was a burning fire, the next place it looked like it was a grave. Until I found the truth of it, then I got to know exactly what it was and by the help of the angel of the Lord that revealed it to me. Because I didn't get any schooling. Thank God. And I just hold on to scripture and pray and search until the scripture, the scripture, until she comes and reveals it to me. And when he stands before me in that light, you see on the picture and reveals it every time it is perfect with the scripture through and through. That's the reason I know it's the angel of the Lord because he bears witness of his word. And if that angel told me one thing that wasn't scriptural, I would not believe him. It's got to be with the word first. God's word is eternal because an angel could come and preach something else. Paul said it wasn't right, but if, if it's the word of God, the angel of God will verify that word every time to be the truth if it's a true angel from the Lord. If it's something off color, then don't you listen to it. But if an angel comes and speaks and says just exactly what the word says, then that angel is from God. Hallelujah. Now, just as accurate as knowing the heart, the angel brought the word. There's a dark spirit of death around you. It's in the form of cancer on the heart. The doctor is a strong man. You're examined by you. You've got a rupture condition in the bowels. You've got a stomach trouble besides. You have a severe heart trouble that's caused you fainting. A few days ago, you were sitting on the side of the bed, looking out towards your windows and nearly passed out. Your name is Eva York. You live in this city, 613th, 6th Street. You're going home to be well. Did it miss it? Did it fail? Not once of the thousands of times. If it was that accurate, come on. Then how about the, what the angel said about the Bible? There was 
An entourage came to Brother Branham and told him, said, look, if you'll just tell us what you're preaching about baptism in Jesus' name and the Godhead and things like that. So we'll believe you. If you'll tell us the angel said it, we'll believe you. He said, if the angel of the Lord said anything contrary to that, it wouldn't be the angel of the Lord. And he said, you know, if a man tells you a messenger from God, says he's from God and tells you it's right to be baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, let him be a liar. If a man tells you it's all right for you to wear bobbed hair and things like that, you ought to cover with a hat in the church for a bonnet to be a cover, and let him be a liar. The word of God is the truth. And, and any of those, these things that is against the word, let them be a lie. It's the word, it's the truth. It'll stand. Amen. Now, even the book of Revelation, how many believes the book of Revelation? Well, the book of Revelation, he says in one, Revelation 1 and 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show into his service things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent it and signified it. That means made it known by his angel to his servant John. I'm trying to show you the entire Bible, not just the Old Testament, but even Jesus' own ministry was from the Father himself. And the angel of the covenant brings even the book of Revelation. And he makes it known, he signifies it by his angel to what? His servant John. Now John's the messenger. He writes down, he's the scribe. But it's the Holy Ghost that is bringing a message. And I want to get to you again. Let us certify the message we receive is not a man's message. It's God's message. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are written therein for the time is at hand. Look here. It's the only, it's, it's the only book in the Bible that's written by Jesus Christ. In that manner, he comes and appears to him and signifies it to his servant John, personally reveal it to a scribe. What is it? It's the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel, amen, out of Egypt into the promised land. It's the same pillar of fire that wrote the law. It's the same pillar of fire. Is somebody with me? Amen. That will lead Joshua into the promised land and the conquest of that land. It's the same pillar of fire that was with Daniel in the lion's den. Hallelujah. When the animals were afraid of that milling, whipping fire and stood away from him. It's the same one, the fourth man that was there in the fiery furnace. Hallelujah. It's that same one that we are following today. Not another but the same pillar of fire, the same Holy Ghost. We are a people led by the pillar of fire. Not another man's ideas, not another man's wisdom, but a pillar of fire. God wants you to have confidence so he would show you sign after sign. This is what he did with Moses so that you'll know you were sent. Here, take this rod. Cast it down. It becomes a serpent. See, you can bind the king's serpent. Swallow him up. This is what's going to happen under your ministry. You're going to swallow up his whole army. You'll take them down to the Red Sea and they'll all die. Come on. Amen. You know, put your hand in your bosom. Bring it out. 
It's leprous. Put it back in. Amen. It's white as snow. Right? Amen. This was a condition. This was a condition of every man. He was leprous, full of sin, but put it there in the bosom of Christ, in the heart of Christ, where he was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity and pull it back out. And it's white. It's clean now. Rather, it's clean. It's no longer leprous with sin anymore. That's the power that lays in the Word. It'll set the vilest sinner free. It'll heal our sick. It'll raise the dead. It'll open the eyes of the blind. It'll give hearing to the deaf. It'll make brain bleed. Amen. To dissipate and go away. It'll make cancer vanish in a moment. It is there because he's the I am God. Not the I will be, but the I am. And he's trying to show you this is the one who's speaking to you. It didn't come from a seminary. And if it did, well, if it came to the Baptists, the Methodists don't want it. If it came to the Methodists, the Pentecostals don't want it. You know, but it came from God, and I want it. How about you? It came from God, and I want it. It's my message. It spoke to me because in him is life. In him was lives, and I was in him. Hallelujah. Now then, I'm bringing it right down to this. Because Jesus would say, I came from God. I'm going back to God. So where's that in the Bible, Brother Tim? Because watch him now. He come from the pillar of fire. He become flesh with the Spirit of God overshadowing the virgin, making a body. The pillar of fire comes and dwells in him, teaches him, brings us the gospel. Now watch. He's crucified. He's raised up. He ascends back into glory. His body now is immortal, can never die again. It is the only image of the Father you'll ever see. Because no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Father, he hath declared him. Amen. And one day when you look for God, you will see Jesus. Yes, sir. But he says, I come, he said to Paul, I came from the spirit world. I go back to spirit again. This is why he would say, if I don't leave, the comforter can't come. But if I go away, then I can send the spirit that is in me back. For he dwelleth in me now, but he shall be with you and in you. John 8, 42. Notice now, this flesh was brought here for sacrifice to redeem us as sinners. So the pillar of fire would become flesh. John 8, 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. I proceeded forth, and I came from God, and neither came I myself, but he sent me. So Jesus said, I came out of that pillar of fire. Watch now, verse 3 of chapter 13. Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things into his hands, and he said, 
He was come from God, and he went to God. So notice here, John 3, uh, 13, 3, Adriana. Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things in the hand, and that he was come from God and went to God. So he came from God to become flesh man for God to dwell in, but he would return back to being God again. John 16, 30. For are we, now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needeth not that any man ask thee. For by this we believe thou camest forth from God. So there's three witnesses of the scripture. So the body of Jesus sits at the right hand of God in heaven on his throne. But his spirit is here on the earth. Now, remember, the whole purpose that he come was because God wanted a family. And he wanted them all born of the same spirit that he was. And he couldn't call you family and you being a sinful human being. Because to really be family, you would have to be of his genus. Right? Amen. So there on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The pillar of fire came down. The Logos, the same one that led the children of Israel, the same one that was in Jesus Christ, the same one, come on, that was on the road to Damascus and said, I am Jesus. The same one comes down on the day of Pentecost and it comes like, it comes whipping and whirling like a rushing mighty wind. <laughs> Hovering pillar of fire and it's moving around and there's licks that begin to fall off of it. And God has those licks to fall on 120 in the upper room. What was he doing birthing sons and daughters of God? So that you are no longer born of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That you can be of the same creation that he was. Come on. And there's more in you than just human life. There is God's own Zoe life in you. And you can no more perish than God can perish. Hallelujah. For now that pillar of fire is residing in every person. That's why when they would walk up there in the prayer line and Brother Brandon said, I see you're a Christian. Your spirit is welcomed by this pillar of fire that is here. You're kinfolk. There's something about it, friends. When you know him. And you've been born in him, your kinfolk. And you can't deny him. You can't deny his word. You can't deny his promises. Because you and the word are one. You're born of the word. And one day, one day, one day, it's going to come together of that theophanic form of you. To meet with this body here. And as the lights come together and mesh together, you'll change from mortal 
to immortality. What a day that will be. Let's stand together. Musicians, come. Jesus was God in the form of a man. That's so hard for people to swallow. He was God. He was nothing less than God. He was God manifested in the flesh. He no junior God. He not just a prophet. He's almighty God himself. God came. The pillar of fire come and dwelt in a human body and walked among us. Then would offer that body for, for your sacrifice to be the Lamb of God to take away your sins. For he was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And now he's calling a bride to be of his image, of his same genus, of his same kind who he can say is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Amen. What a day that will be. Let's bow our heads together. Father, take these words, Lord. Let it just find resting place in our hearts and lives, Lord. Let it just resound within us to know that we've got a message sent from God that is not just sent from man. It's been certified. Paul would say, I certify I guarantee you, and you guaranteed it again, showing sign upon sign, wonder upon wonder, and to doubt you, to disbelieve is sin. Lord, we've taken this, and we've slowly taught it today, just kind of laying it out. One day we're going to get there. We heard a song Wednesday night. What will it be when we see you? What will it be like? Like it's indescribable. Will I dance for you, Jesus? Will I shout? Will I not just be able to even speak? I'm so odd. How would it be? Lord, I'm sure every, every, bit, of, every bit of emotion will come out, Lord, as we see you. And Lord, thank you, Lord. We want to thank you today. We want to thank you that you've not abandoned the project. That you're still in our midst, the same healer, deliverer, the same pillar of fire. And that we're led by that pillar of fire. I pray, Lord, if there be any doubt in our heart, you just take it out of us. Maybe some things we don't understand. That's okay. God's so great, he's so big, we can't understand him all. Lord, we're your children. And we love you. We give ourselves to you to serve you afresh and new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, Lord, 
in the presence of the I am God. I hold these requests. It's people across the land and in this building. They say, I've got a need. May they look away from a God of the past, a God of the future, and see the God of the now. And today, as your representative, as your son, I curse every spirit of the enemy, every demon of hell that would withstand against the children of God. I speak, Lord, for those requests, those desperate needs. Lord, of a brother Raymond down in Florida that wrote me, so oppressed by the devil, a young man trying to be a preacher. Lord God, I undertake for him. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. That enemy that would want to hold him, bind him. Lord, for that one, Sister Tanya there in South Africa that's got every kind of trouble, female trouble, and Lord, difficulty of finding work and trying to make a living. And Lord, one of those deaf desperate people out there, will you be merciful? This brother Rocco that I said, I, I've got a need. I need, need a touch from God. Needs on the internet that's lifting their hands right now, reaching out to you. In the name of Jesus, the I am God. I rebuke every infirmity and every sickness in Jesus' name. And I command them to leave God's people so they can go free today in Jesus' name for God's glory. We thank you for it, Lord. We appreciate you for your goodness, for your grace, Lord, for your love to us. In Jesus' name, and for every person in this building that has need, I pray that you'll meet our brother Darrell, who's been sick, taking the vaccine. Heal him, Lord, right now. May the, may the healing angel go by his way, the I am God, the pillar of fire. Hover over him right now. And the, the licks of the fire of the Almighty God drive that sickness out of his body. Lord, our brother Kenneth, we would pray the same. You've rebuked death so many times. We rebuke it again in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll do this, Lord. We'll do this because you commissioned us to stand there and cast out devils in your name. In Jesus' name. Well, what a day that will be when my Jesus.